well, you've already, already been welcomed, but let me welcome you again. Start of a new Methodist year. We start on the 1st of September. We have done since 1743, and why give up a good practice? And so, consequently, this is a day when up and down the country, there are changes of all sorts happening in Methodist churches. And several are happening in relation to our own church, and uh, we've heard some of them already. Uh, Tony is setting off on his sabbatical today. Uh, in recent times, as Darren told us, we've said fond goodbyes to members of the ministerial team, and today... Our chair will formally worship, uh, welcome to this circuit and to this church uh, our two members of staff, Deacon Ali and Alison as the coordinator of our healing ministry. And I ought to say a word too that as of today, Nigel becomes our designated district chair. Uh, he tells me that they were in a meeting and they got to the Westminster circuit through a coin and he lost. But uh, Nigel will be uh, our, uh, the district chair with responsibility for this circuit in terms of things like uh, ministerial appointments and things like that. Thank you, Nigel, and for, for thank you for being here and taking part in this service. Uh, and also, in, in terms of our circuit stewards, uh, dear Joseph uh, ended his six-year term as a circuit steward, the last two as senior circuit steward, yesterday. I can see you there. You look relaxed, Joseph. Which means that today, Genevieve becomes senior circuit steward, and you look tense. <laughs> and Daniela, who is not here today, uh, starts her, her role and joins the team as the circuit stewards. Now, we're going to do uh, more about that next week, but I just wanted to mention it because, uh, as you'll see in a moment in the sermon, when I actually get round to it, uh, we're all in this together. But today we focus on welcoming Ali and Alison. And uh, I want us to, to focus upon the two readings in a kind of oblique way uh, and, not surprisingly, make three points. The first and the last are quite short, the middle one's a bit longer. The first is that it's quite clear when you read the Ephesians reading that there is an importance given to the body, the body of Christ. Uh, this passage in Ephesians, for instance, is one of several that uses the image of the body to describe the nature of the Christian community. We're reminded that there is one body and that Christ is the head of the one body. And that we are, the writer tells us, to grow into Christ our head from whom the whole body, every part of it, is joined and knit together so that each part is working properly. In other words, like a human body, when it's well, it promotes health and growth. And in this way, says the writer, the church is built up in love and is about the service of Christ. So when we're talking of different parts of the body, all of whom need each other, as in Corinthians, or different ministries in the body of Christ, as here in Ephesians, it's absolutely clear in the Scriptures that the emphasis is not first and foremost on me and my gifts, or Ali and her gifts, or Alison and her gifts, or yours, or yours, or yours. It's more in the language of us, we, together, 
the body of Christ, of whom Christ is the head. And that's one reason why, although the church necessarily has the forms and functions of all sorts of other organizations, it's never quite like a university department or a government department. Perhaps rather than an organization, it's better described as an organism, a body of which Christ is the head. That's the first thing. The body is the significant thing. So it's right then that that was the first point, and the second point, therefore, looking at Ephesians, is to talk about the individual gifts and ministries that are found in this one body of Christ. Each of us, says the writer of Ephesians, has been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Each of us. And again, we see this in Corinthians where Paul talks about various gifts of the Spirit and he lists a long list of them, of which, if you remember, he goes on to say, and the greatest of these is love. Here in Ephesians we read, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now they're different ministries to be sure, but look what comes next. To serve the work of God and equip the saints for the building up of the body of Christ. So there's different ministries, but they're all geared towards the same thing. They're all for the same thing. This is the acid uh, test of all ministry in the body of Christ. It's why Christ has given Ali and Alison different various gifts It's why Christ has given you, each one of you, various gifts so that we can be about the service, the work of the kingdom and the building up of the body of Christ. That's what they're for. Different people, different gifts, one common purpose. Which is not notice so that those with the greatest or more visible or most flamboyant gifts can be filled with self-importance and say to the rest of people, well, you know, I'm, I'm particularly gifted. I'm rather special, really. The gifts Christ gives to one is actually, therefore, the gift to us all. Now, I can hear some of you say. I've got no gifts. I can't preach. Frightened to death if you ask me to read a lesson in front of all these people. And I'm not really very pastoral. You ought to see me at home, etc., etc. And I would say to you, they aren't the only gifts that count. Every gift counts. Not just in relation to church, but in every part of our lives. That helpful word, that hug of encouragement, that cup of tea kindly given, that listening ear, that secret gift given, that lift to the hospital appointment, that visit, that simple prayer, that service done well, that promise kept, etc., etc., etc. No, 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 you don't understand, Martin, some of you say. You see, I'm physically or mentally or spiritually unable to do all those things, so I'm really not good to anybody. To which I suggest to you that the body of Christ described in Ephesians 
is rather like the L'Arche community. If you don't know what the L'Arche community is, look it up after the service. But it's a community essentially where the poor or the seriously ill or the severely disabled live in community with others and they aren't the people who are looked after by the rich or the well or the whole, but rather they're one community, a family, a body, who are better together in all their variety, in all their strengths, and in all their weaknesses. It's a picture, a model of the body of Christ. I got back uh, yesterday evening from a Methodist meeting in Mexico. That's why I'm absolutely chirpy now till about three o'clock this afternoon. You wait till tonight. And while we were there, from people, uh, there's about 25 of us on the World Council of Churches Steering Committee. And while we were there, we learned a song. Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to teach you it today, but we are going to sing it or listen to it in the next few weeks because I found it very moving. But just suffice to say, its title uh, is what came into my mind. The words were, your labor is not in vain. It's from 1 Corinthians 15. Your labor is not in vain. Your planting and reaping are never the same. Your labor is not unknown. Why? Because whenever we use the gifts that Christ gives us for their proper purpose, for the service of others and the building up of the body of Christ, then nothing is too menial, nothing is too small to count, nothing is insignificant, our labor is not in vain. Now we welcome into that body of Christ here to share in this ministry with all of us. Not to do it all, to share in that ministry with all of us. Ali and Alison. Uh, Alison joins us as a Methodist deacon and although we've been privileged to have deacons down many years, even decades in this church, I wanted to say a word and I hope you'll bear with me for a minute about ordained Methodist ministry and diaconal ministry particularly because there's so few opportunities to say something about this, but it's actually quite important. Methodism is a connectional church, spelt with an X because that's how they spelled it in the 18th century. But what it means is, is that we are a church who regards ourselves as connected together. Connected through Christ and connected by those principles and Christian doctrinal emphases and practices that mark us out as Methodist Christians in just the same way that Catholics or Anglicans or Baptists could point to things that knit them together to make them coherent as a Christian tradition. But to be a connectional church, as we are, means that although there are about 4,700 local Methodist churches in the British Methodist Connection, we actually see ourselves as one church family in 4,700 different places. So actually, Ali, all the way from Dorset, is simply moving within the family, from one part of it to another. It's the same family. She came to be here with us because it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us, and by us now we mean the fellow Methodists we entrust with who gets sent where. He's one of them. 
that here is where she should be. She was, to use a Methodist term, matched with us. The gifts Christ has given her are discerned to be what we need, and in a slightly different but equally important way, we are part of the Christ's, we are part of Christ's family that it's discerned that Ali needs in order that both she and we can participate in serving others and building up the body of Christ. The Methodist authorities were able to send her where they felt she should minister, rather incidentally than where she naturally might feel she should minister. That's all right, you'll get used to us. Because she's an ordained Methodist deacon. And part of the ordination nature of ordination and promises in the Methodist church is her willingness to go where our Methodist church asks her to go. Believing that obedience to the church in matters like that is obedience to Christ himself. So Ali is a real ordained minister. She's an ordained member of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church of Jesus Christ and her place in that one church is as a deacon in the British Methodist Church. She was matched with us. We met with her. We gladly agreed the match. And Ali, we rejoice that you're here. Uh, for a long time, we didn't think we were going to get a deacon, did we? Do you remember? I stood here week after week with a face as long as a wet week and said to you, Get ready, we ain't going to manage this. Tony Miles is going to fly off. Deacon Keen is not going to be replaced. There's going to be me and Gordon left, and we're going on holiday. Let's remember. Uh, and if you remember what we did, we, we had a day of prayer, remember? Where you all signed up, and we covered 21 hours in a day, in quarter of an hour slots, either in this chapel or at home. And within 10 days of that day of prayer, we heard from the diaconal order that Ali was matched with us. So, Ali, no pressure. <laughs> but we believe, as you do, that your coming here is God's will for you and for us. We believe that, don't we? If I can say one more thing about the ministry of Methodist deacons, because, again, it's the right time to say it. For a long time, the ministry of deacon in the Methodist church, which for a long time was not an ordained ministry. It was an informal ministry which, as we learned a few weeks ago, began with the National Children's Home and basically with unmarried women who offered their life to the church, very often to work either with the poor or the destitute, and then over time, as the church became more institutionalized, basically to head up the pastoral care of people within the church or the people with whom the church came into to being. It's much more in recent times, but now 20, 30 years ago, that deacons became an ordained order of ministry, bishops, priests, deacons, and we conformed as the Methodist church with that ancient pattern. But with that has gone a development of who we imagine deacons are and what fundamentally they do. They're not non-pastoral people. You can't be ordained and be technically non-pastoral. But increasingly, deacons are now used to stand, if you like, uh, on the 
in the space, that liminal space between the ministry of the church and its mission to other people. A central like this one were described by their founders as pews on the pavement. I love that phrase. And as such, their ministry, the ministry of a place like this, was said to be to reduce the distance, quote, end quote, between the gospel community, the offer of God's love on the one hand, and the people who walk by on the other. The pew on the pavement. And that's very much diaconal type ministry speak. So it's no surprise that a good deal of Ali's responsibilities within our ministerial team will be to stand in that in-between place with those who pass by and walk with them and invite them to come and participate in this place of welcome, but also leave this place of welcome and be with other people in their ministries, which, for instance, is exactly what we do when, as the autumn nights begin to appear, we take up the ministry of the Winter Night Shelter. So, uh, our prayer is that this will be a wonderful time of ministry for Ali and for us. Alison joins us as one whom Christ has gifted in relation to the Christian healing ministry. Uh, If we were reading the Corinthians passage about the body rather than the Ephesians one, though neither are exhaustive, you would see that in that list of gifts given to the church by the Spirit, one of them is the gift of healing. But even here, not healer, go solo. We don't believe that that's the kind of healing ministry that we're about. Rather, leading and belonging to a team with its own multiple gifts and callings, which is bent towards the holism of the Christian healing ministry. And Alison, that's what you will be about and heading up and surrounded by wonderful people who I know you know. Now, this healing ministry is very important to our church. All congregations have charisms, aspects of Christian ministry and mission that over time they've particularly committed themselves to. And we are committed to the Christian healing ministry, which is why we have a member of staff who is appointed to coordinate that ministry at all. Lots of churches don't. So, Alison, we're delighted that you're joining the team as part of this congregation. And if I can put it in the context of Ephesians, offering the gifts Christ has given you so that you with others can be about the service and the work of the kingdom and the building up of the body of Christ. So, to recap, because we're nearly there, Ephesians makes clear the importance of the body before, secondly, the fact that individuals within the body have certain gifts, and that the point of all the gifts is to be about the work of the kingdom and the building up of the body of Christ. Got that? The third and last and brief point, therefore, comes from the passage that Amma read for us from Luke, which is sometimes known as Luke's Great Commission. Our Lord Jesus Christ picks the scroll he picks from a, from a passage, Uh, He picks up the scroll, he unwraps the scroll, he gets to the passage in that prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
And in a very real way, Jesus was not only declaring what his own ministry would be like, he was also indicating what the ministry of the church, his body, is like. The thing for which we are all filled with the spirit of gifts. The reason that we have any anointing is to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captive, sight for those who can't see, release those oppressed by all sorts of things. And while doing all this, proclaiming in word and deed the time of the Lord's favor. The connectional year 2019-20, a year of the Lord's favor. This is the ministry to which Ali and Alison are called. This is the ministry to which each one of us are called. This is the ministry to which we are assuredly gifted by the Holy Spirit of giftedness to do. This is the ministry that marks the church as the body of Christ. So as we enter a new year, let's take up that ministry with renewed vigor and courage as servants of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. Amen.